The Boiler Upload podcasts are brought to you by Martin Vintage, a local shop in Lafayette selling custom vintage Purdue gear. Purdue football finally got around to adding one of the best vintage mascot logos to their helmets. All of the Purdue faithful were excited to see the old golden black run onto the field, donning Purdue Pete on their helmets for the Florida Atlantic game. Martin Vintage wants its customers to be able to own a piece of this monumental event in Boilermaker football gear. Make sure to head over to martinvintage.com and grab yours before they're gone. Welcome, everybody, to the fourth edition of the Boiler Upload podcast, and we are coming to you mere hours after Purdue moved into first place in the Big Ten in basketball with a dominant win over Minnesota. And, of course, last night we had the Big Ten championship game against Michigan. With me, as always, is Jace Jellison, who was in Indy with me last night up in the press box. How you doing, Jace? Doing a lot better than last night, that's for sure. <laughs> and always with us, Casey Bartley, who is in West Lafayette today and spent a lot of time watching the future of Purdue basketball yesterday. How you doing, Casey? Not a fan of you switching up the order. I need to know what's happening. You need to know what's happening? Well, I what's yeah, happening is, is I, I run this ship off. as a dictator. And you will do what I say. I, I no. don't care. Just do it the same way every time. <laughs> I was ready and now I'm not ready. Lost you need a foot. moment? Uh-huh. Diva. You guys talk about football or something. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so as uh, as you guys all know by now, Purdue loses in the Big Ten Championship game to Michigan 43-22. And I think, yep, Mich- Mitchell Finneran just kicked another field goal. Um <laughs> what what was that last night jace really it was just i mean coming into the game everybody knew that purdue had a slim chance they had to have a a near flawless performance to win and i think they did that for the most part in the first half besides settling for the field goals and that was really the the story of the game settling for five field goals where if you even got two of them in the first half completely different game you're probably going into the second half with a lead um i mean that was that was what decided the game is is settling and i'm not gonna rip on brahm for not going for the ones in the first half for the second half i I did kind of scratch my head and and wonder why yeah that that fourth one was kind of a okay really it cuts it from 12 to 9 and at that point you need a touchdown and I think it was like a twenty, like it was like a thirty-two yard field goal or something. I mean, you're not going to win the game if you don't get a touchdown there. So that that's the one that really got to me. The the other one, the fifth one, I'm just like, okay, whatever, kick it. We need three scores anyway at that point. That gets it to fourteen. But yeah, that fourth one, right at the end of the fourth, at the start of the fourth quarter, you get a touchdown there. It's a one possession game still, and who knows what can happen, but mm. but like like you said, though, it's a game where Purdue had to be nearly perfect, and on the few times that it was not perfect, Michigan made us pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt, and Brom talked about it a little bit in the postgame presser. No one, I mean, he didn't really give a, I mean, we all know Brom. He doesn't really give give super no. well thought out answers that, that give a lot of detail and stuff, but he talked about how there were a lot of, a lot of those scenarios on fourth down where it was like fourth and long. Um, Obviously the one 
where O'Connell got sacked and then they had the unsportsmanlike conduct. That was fourth and goal from the 26. Um, <laughs> so, so you're not going to, you're not going to go for it there, uh, which I, I understand. But in the second half, I think you have, you have to go for it. I mean, he talked about that in the week leading up and he really, I mean, he really delivered apart from settling from the field goals. He, he pulled out all the trick plays that he could. Um, he got the run game involved on the, on the jet sweeps to guys like, Charlie Jones and Tyrone Tracy. And then the, the fake flea flicker was probably the biggest run of the game aside from Tyrone Tracy's near touchdown um, in the first half. That was a well-designed play to, to Tracy, uh-huh. honestly. Yeah. I would argue the biggest plays of the games were interceptions. That too. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, like we both mentioned, you had to be you had to be perfect against Michigan. And the first, the first pick, Charlie Jones – might have scored. Um, obviously, it was within the five yard line, and then the second one just kind of broke Purdue's back. I thought the game was pretty much over after that point. Getting picked off pretty deep in your own territory, it was it was wraps from there. Michigan punched it in, went up three scores, I believe, and then that was all she wrote. Yeah, and that that was one I know we were sitting next to another just venerable publication, uh, Hammer and Rails. Those <laughs> kids are going to go for, go far, um, but they were talking about how. Uh, Sheffield really needed to go like a sluggo route there because if he if he doesn't cut it off where he does and he goes up the sideline he runs for days so like you said that was a backbreaker right there that just kind of put the game out of reach for good and another one of our guys Kyle he brought up that Michigan had been sitting on those the the entire game Mm -hmm. Purdue really hadn't taken any super deep shots um, and that was a scenario where they could have I thought TJ Sheffield kind of stepped up big um, in certain scenarios. On third down, they Purdue did a lot better than I expected, and I think that's what kept him in the game for for quite some time. And I, ultimately, I think that's what we need to take from this: is mm-hmm. Purdue did not completely embarrass itself. I mean, this game could have gotten ugly in a hurry. Last year, they blew out Iowa. I think it was like forty-two to three or something. Yeah, I mean, it was a game into the second half, and I think as a Purdue fan, that's you know, that's all you could ask for is you at least had a chance uh, into the second half. I mean, shoot, we even led in the second quarter. So Mm -hmm. I thought the defense held up pretty well in the first half. And then Donovan Edwards rips off that 60 yard run, which is his fourth 60 plus yard run of the season. I mean, three of them came in the last two weeks. I mean, he's just lightning in the bottle. I kind of talked about it after the game. But yeah, I mean Purdue hanging around and and not getting blown out like Iowa did. It I think I think this does more good for the program than bad because you you saw all the fans and and the media, the excitement surrounding the Big Ten championship game, Purdue making it there for the first time. I think if Purdue goes back in a few years, obviously we don't know what's gonna happen with the divisions and and everything like that with USC and UCLA um coming and possibly even Oregon, who knows, but if they can make it back in the next few years, it's. I think it'll be the same story, of in terms of the excitement and 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 how much the fans, how much the fans are excited about um, about the game. Yeah, it was. It was. There was a good Purdue crowd there. I went down and met with my wife and son because they were sitting behind the end zone, and lots of Purdue fans were just excited to be there. And I'd say they. Crowd was 65-35 in favor of Michigan. There was more Michigan fans there by far, but 
you know, the number of Purdue people that I talked to both on the concourse and during the week, they were just like, Hey, we're excited to be here. That's good. And like you said, it's something good for the program to put forward. It's, it's tangible progress. Yeah. And I think, I think it'll do a lot of good with recruiting seeing Brown get there. Brown's already a pretty good damn, pretty damn good recruit recruiter getting there, being on that stage. Our recruits will see that and be like, Hey, maybe if I go to Purdue, we can take that next step and win that game. Um, and do something special. But I think getting to that point, especially after after everything that Brahms has been through, taking over the program from the depths of hell, having those two tough years in 19 and 20, and then having back-to-back possibly nine-win years if if Purdue can beat LSU. It's um, the, the program hasn't looked this good in, I don't know how long, 15, maybe 20 years. Yeah, and – Really, the LSU game is going to be interesting. I think it's hard to preview right now because you don't know who's going to sit out on each side. I mean, let's face it, there's a possibility O'Connell could sit to preserve his draft stock, and I honestly wouldn't blame him, especially if he's still battling the rib stuff. Uh, but LSU is probably inevitably going to have some guys sit. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I, you know, I think Purdue's probably going to be an underdog, and rightfully so. I mean, LSU is a team that, until two weeks ago, was in the discussion for themselves to go to the playoff. But as we saw last night, Purdue can play with those type of teams, at least for a little while. And last year in the bowl game, Purdue was an underdog, and look what happened. So I think it's another positive step forward. And then uh, I think it's a chance to – build towards next year because there's going to be a lot of guys playing in this bowl game that will play a lot more minutes and snaps next season. Mm. And I'll be interested to see what Charlie Jones does. Talking to some of the people last night in the box, I got the sense that Charlie would be the most likely to skip out on the bowl game. I personally don't see O'Connell doing that. I just think O'Connell's given so much this program that he's going to stick around and, and go for one last run. But you never know with guys like Charlie Jones or any of the defensive guys who, although they're not like a David Bell or George Karloftis where they know they're going to go in the first two days of the draft. I mean, they're still probably going to get drafted in day three. I'd say like someone like Corey Trice or um, Branson Dean, possibly Uh, that's, that's kind of wishful thinking, I guess. But um, yeah, a lot, a lot of those guys making those decisions and then the transfer portal, you just never know who's going to, um, try to go for greener pastures. So yeah. And then in the next few weeks, I think we'll get a better idea of, of, of how this game will play out at least on paper. Yep. And at least it's a new year's day bowl. It's uh, supposedly the highest profile non new Year's six bowl. If uh, we're going to rate things, Uh, it always has that marquee TV spot on new year's day, right before the Rose bowl. So going to have some fun with it and uh, i'm excited about it always good to test and see how well we do against the sec and a program like that and lsu will definitely be a name win if uh, purdue can grab it what in the hell is a cheese it citrus bowl <laughs> i don't know what, they, what big orange screw up is this <laughs> okay so they have the cheese it bowl in orlando in the same stadium and then cheese it through their name on the citrus bowl. They have two bowls. Yes. yes. Essentially they have two bowls, which is ridiculous. It's not like Twix where there's like a left and right where like it would, that would, that's such a good idea. Like marketing sense. Well, 
you can uh, fans actually will be able to spend the night in a themed hotel room on the field. Are Cheez Its supposed to be citrusy? Is that where the orange comes from? What is citrus? Like, is that a company? Chase. Come on. What? It's it's fruit. Type <laughs> yeah, fruit. I know it's, it's fruit, fruit, but it's like Florida. It's Florida. They That's how they used to name bowls fruit. before we sold our soul to everything. There was like a tangerine bowl, um, Tostitos bowl. Tostito is not a fruit either, Casey. <laughs> it's also the fruit. <laughs> Maybe I thought they were just going to change it because it used to be like the Capital One orange bowl. bowl. It used to be an orange bowl. Pretty much it was all about citrus. Yeah. Like all of them together and separate. Well, it was the citrus bowl. Then it was the Capital One Bowl. Now it's the citrus bowl again. Lime and tequila bowl. They had the Bacardi Bowl in Havana for a while. (laughs) I don't like it. I'm I'm anti-bowl games. I think we should have the playoff and nothing else. Eh. Casey is notoriously anti-fun. Besides, we... I'm I'm also... I'm done with college football. Just, like, move on. Well, yes. And we we should move on because... Uh, you got to see Zach Eady have a mild day today, didn't you? He he out rebounded a whole team. <laughs> wild by himself. What's wild about that is the combination of dominance you have to have, while also them like. First of all, he plays thirty minutes. The other team, all the players get to play forty minutes. He's one person playing 30 and then just he had eight offensive rebounds, 14 defensive rebounds, 22 compared to 21 Minnesota. It's a big 10 team, a real team, a team that like, like big 10 and everything. They're, they're in our conference. (laughs) They're a real school and one man in 30 minutes out rebounded them. It's wild. That is, I know what happened last year. Uh, uh, Oscar Sheboy or whatever his name is from uh, Kentucky. Kentucky did it last year against Western Kentucky, which is also wild. Um, but that was against like a smaller conference school. This is a real school, and it was and it was only twenty two twenty one. It wasn't even that close through most of the game. I think it was eighteen to fifteen at half, or at one point in the game. Just Zach Eady is the best player in college basketball. And it turns out, not hyperbole, that Purdue is one of the best teams in the country. It was impressive. And when you figure he, uh, Edie shot below 50% as well, and he still had 31 points. I mean, usually this is a guy that shoots 70% from the floor. If he goes up to 70, you're looking at a 40, 45-point game for him. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I thought this was uh, Purdue's best game at getting him the ball. Yes. Uh, Minnesota made a choice. Um, they said, we're going to defend him one-on-one to be honest. They did pretty well. The biggest thing with Edie is you just have to, you can't let him get deep on you. If he catches it out on the block and he's a few feet away and you're very strong, you can hold up against them a little bit. And that's kind of what they did. And they got away with some, you know, physical violence that always happens against him, but they did a pretty good job not letting it crater everything else on defense. Edie just can't be stopped. Then he goes nine for 10 from the line. Um, but yeah, I, I, you're really seeing this team mature. 
And I talked to uh, Painter about it after the game, how, and he mentioned how they're, you know, all these high end recruits and really smart players aren't used to, they don't come out of high school usually playing with a dominant big. I watched 10 hours of basketball yesterday and uh, high school basketball. No one knows how to throw it into the post. No. <laughs> no. And you're seeing Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, Ethan Morton. They're really starting to learn how to take advantage of it. And that if they do, things become easy. Fletcher Lawyer had eight assists, no turnovers, 20 points today. And everything he does is easier on the floor because Zach Eady's there. And the more Eady gets the ball, the easier everyone else's life gets. And you're starting to watch a team that just for the entire 30 minutes that he was in there, Edie was the focal point, get him the ball. Good things will happen. That is a recipe that will sustain throughout the season. I think it stood out to me in that there was no real sustained run by Minnesota today. And that, that seemed to be the hallmark of the team last year is they, they would be dominant. They would win games and they'd win a lot of games convincingly, but there would always be a steady push from the, of the other team trying to get back into it. And Purdue never allowed that today. Did the lead even get under like 12, any point in the second half? Mm, it got right around 12. Um, I think that's where it closed off. Yeah, for the most part, Purdue defends the three-point line really well coming into the night. I believe we were top 10, um, at giving up less than 30% shooting from the three-point line. And that's how Purdue made their run in the first half. That's how the game of basketball has become so exaggerated in terms of runs because you've got shooters everywhere. And Purdue showed that just a couple misses into transition can turn into six, nine, 12 points really easy. Purdue does a good job limiting that. And then on the offensive end, yeah, Zach Eady is such an anchor and a consistent, like it's, I, I wish I had the advanced stats to know what uh, points per possession is when he finishes a play. I'm going to guess it's the highest in the country. It's got to be. Yeah, it, he, his numbers are absurdly good right now. 70 of 115 from the field. He's 76% from the free throw line. He's the number one offensive rebounder in the country. So even when this Purdue team that's been very efficient on offense, if they miss, one out of every five misses, he's grabbing. Yeah, let alone anyone else on the team. Um. So yeah, it's just, it's wild the amount of efficiency he brings and consistency while also being on a team that can defend now. So Purdue has sustained the success without really giving up. Minnesota had probably the biggest run of the season on Purdue when they cut it down from um, 22, 23 point lead down to about 11 or 12. Uh, But Purdue was able to get away against Gonzaga, Duke. None of those teams had sustained runs never were able to push back into the game for real. And that is the mark of a dominant team. Right. And I I noticed there was one point there, I think it was about six or seven minutes left where Edie was out and they were making just a little bit of the run of a run. And like you said, they put Edie in That's a, that's a run stopper because you could just get him the ball within five feet of the basket. And there's a very good chance he's going to score or go to the line. That's it's an incredible place to be. Yeah, they are wildly good. The we didn't excitement. even talk about Trey Kaufman Wren today. How about that? Yeah, he was good. Um, probably should mention that uh, 
Nathan Gillis was out with a back injury, something he hurt lifting. So it wasn't a court injury. Who know they called it minor on Twitter, but Painter said he didn't have a timeline for his return. Thankfully, Purdue is pretty deep inside. We've got Trey Kaufman Wren, and they've got Caleb First to need to play more minutes. But at the same time, I do think we missed Mason Gillis is a steady presence out there and can really shoot the ball when he's hot. Also, 10-0 run for Minnesota. That was the closest thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Trey Hoffman Wren is starting to get into a rhythm played, uh, by far the most minutes he's played all year, 28 point or 28 minutes had 10 points. It's, it's funny how you look at him and you don't think Zach Eady, obviously. Uh, but that's kind of the role he plays when he comes in at the five when Edie's out, because he really is a load down there with really good touch in the paint. And he allows Purdue to run some of the stuff they run with Edie just with him there. So yeah, really good minutes. Um, he actually played out, outplayed Caleb first for the first time, probably since first or second game of the season. So Purdue's got a lot of levers to pull, even with someone out. Yeah. And, and one thing I like about Kaufman Wren is he doesn't, he doesn't have the brute strength that Edie does, but he, he's really quick and he makes some very, very good post moves and confidently as well. So I, I he just brings a different aspect to the offense when he's there and he's not afraid to post up which is wonderful yeah he is i he was a scorer in high school that's what he did um his jump shot hasn't super been there yeah um which is a bummer just because it's it's so there and available to him he was wide open on two looks today mm-hmm. but it's still a threat to shoot and if you can get points, if you can get tough points and you have that coming off your bench, that is a really, really big quality. And it's going to help when, I mean, at this point you only need 10 minutes of no AD on the court. That's all you have to survive if you're Purdue and they've done a really good job at that. Oh yeah. With first and Wren and Gillis, yeah, they can survive those 10 minutes. And, and then what's awesome about it is they can give it a different look in those 10 minutes too. And that, just that versatility. Oh, damn it. Now, now I'm getting sucked back in. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're enjoying this, aren't you? You're enjoying me just eating a whole plate of, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking through here, and the biggest run Purdue has given up this year is a 12 to 1 run to Marquette. And so. They've given up two runs of 10 points or more on the season through eight games. And it's not That's like we've played a bunch of stiffs either. No, absolutely not. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, we are, Purdue is staring down. It's very weird to start the Big Ten and then not start the Big Ten and then go back to the Big Ten. Purdue's, let, let me just read you their upcoming schedule. Hofstra. At home. When can you even spell that? Yeah. Well, that's where Jaqu- Jaquil Taylor ended up. So sure. Nebraska on the road. Dicey. Apparently, all of a sudden. Yeah. I, I I am not making fun of Nebraska until this game is over. Right. They did just beat Creighton Purdue by 10. still owes them. No, Purdue still owes them for beating uh Iowa. Yeah. So we should all be nice until that game's over. Yes. Davidson in Indy. New Orleans, Florida A&M, 
And then the Big Ten starts for real. But that's five, what should be almost guarantee wins. The only thing is you go on the road in the Big Ten. That's obviously you can't just mark it down. Everything else, Ken Baum has them as 92% or better favorites. Right. And Davidson is a potential tournament team. I mean, they're a solid team. We should beat them, but that's a potential tournament team on a neutral floor. And it, that's really the only non-conference test they've got left because the others are three paycheck games in Mackey. <laughs> yeah. The point is they're going to be 13 and 0 going into the heart of the big 10 schedule. I don't, don't, don't think anyone saw that on the radar coming into the season. That's, that's a while. I, no, they are not. going to be threatening another number one ranking before the year is out. And it's, it, it's, <laughs> they're fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. I, I, someone on Twitter, uh, I don't remember who it was now. Uh, Purdue alum pretty much said, or no, someone on the big 10, I think said this team is better than last year's. Oh, Andy Katz. Yes. <laughs> pretty unequivocally. There's nothing that you can look at on the court and say, this team is lacking. And that's scary. I mean, we haven't even talked about Fletcher lawyer who, put up a 20 and eight piece, 20 points, eight assists, no turnovers. He he's good. a true freshman. And he's not even the primary ball handler. The primary ball handler is Braden Smith. And he had a quiet game. Didn't even score. Yeah. It wasn't very good. Which all happen. Um, I, it's just, it's, I was talking yesterday uh, in Brownsburg and we were talking about a uh, cane and catchings and some of the other people. And it's just like, Okay, are you a really good player? Yes. Are you a great player? And how do you define that? And it's pretty much, to me, as a basketball purist, if you are able to make every one of your teammates better, not always through passing, but just by what you are on the court, you are a great player. Mm -hmm. Zach Eady does that better than anyone else on the country. You don't normally, last year, it did not feel like our big men, even with, Trey Williams being a great passer didn't feel like our big men really made it easier on everyone else. And a lot of that, like remember how much we talked about how there was no spacing on the floor. Mm -hmm. And in theory, that's because, you know, there was someone in the paint. Zach Eady does not leave the paint and it doesn't feel like this offense is clogged at all. It feels like there's nothing but open space because he draws so much attention because he makes the right play. And painter said this after the game, it's just really refreshing to have a guy who doesn't have bad habits. And this team is full of players without bad habits and they're working incredibly well together. It's, it's a joy to see. And Oh man, we're going to have another ride. Aren't we? <laughs> Especially with Michigan State and Indiana, two of the uh, teams contending for the Big Ten title with Purdue, already opened the season with losses. And it, it, if you come out of those early December games at 2-0 and and uh, your main rivals for the title don't get out of that 2-0, and that helps just so much, I think, in the long run. And really, that was the difference last year in the title race. Purdue dropped that second game to Rutgers, never made up for it. Yeah. Uh, on the road in the Big Ten, it's going to be a whole different game. Uh, but, yeah, Purdue looks good right now. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, with that, I think we'll start wrapping things up here. We will actually likely have a second podcast this week because there's going to be transfer portal news. There's going to be another basketball game. It is the busy season. And uh, hopefully you have a little bit more on uh, football with the bowl game coming up. So, Jace, do you have any final thoughts before we sign off? I do not. Dynamite drop in. Casey, how about yourself? Eating national player of the year to make it happen. That would be great. It'd be the third time that Purdue would have a national player of the year. And I think I could live with that. So Wait, who are who are who are the other two? Uh some guy Glenn named Robinson? John Wooden and Glenn Robinson. I mean did they have those awards back then with Wooden? Yeah, but Wooden, did Wooden they have statues yet? Yeah. Were those made up? I don't know, but he was officially national player of the year. Okay. So <laughs> All righty. Well, with that in mind, we do thank you for listening. Uh, we are done with the regular season for football. We'll be back with the bowl game coming up, but it is all basketball all the time going forward. So for Casey and for Jace, I am Travis Miller of Boiler Upload, and we thank you for listening and Boiler Up. <laughs>